Now we come to uh, Sutta 4.16.159. On a certain occasion, the Venerable Ananda was staying at Kosambi in Gosita Park. Now on that occasion, a certain nun addressed a monk saying, Come you, good fellow, go to Master Ananda, and on coming to him in my name, worship with your head the feet of the worthy Ananda and say, Sir, a nun named so-and-so is sick in pain, stricken with a sore disease. She worships with her head the feet of the worthy Ananda. And you say this, It would be a good thing, sir, if the worthy Ananda would visit the nun's lodging where that nun is, out of compassion for her. Yes, lady, replied that man, and went to the Venerable Ananda, and did as he was told. Then the Venerable Ananda, robing himself and taking bowl and outer rope, went to visit that nun. Now that nun saw the Venerable Ananda from far as he was coming, and on seeing him she covered her head and lay down on a couch. Then the Venerable Ananda came to where she was, and on reaching her sat down on a seat made ready. As he sat there, the Venerable Ananda said this to that nun, Sister, this body has come into being through food, is dependent on food, the food must be abandoned. Sister, this body has come into being through craving, is dependent on craving, craving must be abandoned. Sister, this body has come into being through pride, is dependent on pride, pride must be abandoned. Sister, this body has come into being through sexual intercourse, sexual intercourse must be abandoned. The breaking down of the bridge which is in sexual intercourse has been spoken of by the exalted one. Sister, as to this saying, this body has come into being through food, is dependent on food. The food must be abandoned. It was said in this connection. Herein, sister, a monk takes food with reflection and judgment, not for sport, not for indulgence, not for personal charm, not for beautifying, but just enough for the support, for the upkeep of body, for its resting and harm, for living the holy life. He takes food with a thought, thus do I check my former feelings and set going no new feeling, thus maintenance shall be mine, blamelessness and comfort in life. Then some time later, though dependent on food, he abandons food. As to the saying that body has come into being through food, whatever was thus said was said in this connection. Sister, as to the saying, this body has come to being through craving, is dependent on craving, craving must be abandoned. It was said in this connection. Herein, sister, a monk hears it said, they say that such and such a monk, by destroying the asavas, himself in this life, thoroughly comprehending it, realizes the release by mind, the release by wisdom, which is free from the asavas, and having attained it, abides therein. To him it occurs, surely I too, by destroying the asavas, etc., having attained it, shall abide therein. Then some time later, though dependent on craving, he abandons craving. As to the saying, sister, that body has come into being through craving, is dependent on craving. Craving must be abandoned. Whatever was said thus was said in this connection. Sister, as to the saying, this body has come into being through pride, is dependent on pride. Pride must be abandoned. It was said in this connection. In this case, sister, a monk hears it say, they say that such as such a monk, by destroying the asavas, etc., having attained the release by wisdom abides therein. To him it occurs thus, that one, by destroying the asavas, can realize and attain and abide in the release by wisdom. Then why not I? Then some time later, though dependent on pride, he abandons pride. Sister, as to the saying, this body has come into being through pride, is dependent on pride. Pride must be abandoned. It was said in this connection. Sister, as to the saying, this body has come into being through sexual intercourse, is dependent on sexual intercourse. Sexual intercourse must be abandoned. The breaking down of the bridge which is in sexual intercourse has been spoken by the exalted one.
Thereupon the nun rose from the couch, put her upper robe on one shoulder, fell with her head at the feet of the Venerable Ananda and said, O oh, sir, my fault overcame me, who am so foolish, so stupid, so wrong that I acted thus. O oh, sir, let Master Ananda acknowledge my fault as such, for my restraint in future time. And Ananda said, Verily, sister, your fault overcame you, thus foolish, thus stupid, thus wrong that you acted thus. But inasmuch as you, sister, have seen your fault as such and have confessed it as it is right, we do acknowledge it of you. This indeed, sister, is growth in the discipline of the Aryan. When seeing his fault as such, one makes confession as is right and comes to restrain in future time. Uh, this is one of the suttas uh, which shows uh, the uh, danger of the holy life. Uh, the attraction for the opposite sex. Eh? And this nun had evil intentions when she asked Ananda, Venerable Ananda, to visit him. Eh? That's why the Buddha said it's advisable for a monk eh, to talk with a woman, eh, with another person present, eh? with another person present, eh, if possible. Eh? And um, perhaps Venerable Ananda knew eh, the intentions of this nun. That's why he chose this topic to talk eh? Uh, and so it had its effect on the nun uh, and the nun realized her uh, fault so uh, again as I said uh, this shows the danger of the holy life uh, and uh, most monks disrobe uh, because of some woman uh. today we come to 4.16.160 and this sutta I won't read out the whole sutta just a portion of it uh. the Buddha said uh, Monks, these four things conduce to the confusion, to the vanishing away of sad dhamma, true dhamma. What for? In this case, monks, the monks get by heart a text that is wrongly taken, with words and sense that are wrongly arranged. Now, monks, if words and sense are wrongly arranged, the meaning also is misleading. This is the first thing which conduces to the confusion, to the vanishing away of Saddhamma, true Dhamma. Then again, the monks are difficult to speak to, possessed of qualities which make them difficult to speak to. They are stubborn, incapable of being instructed. This monks is the second thing. Then again, those monks who are widely learned, versed in the doctrines, who know Dhamma by heart, who know Vinaya by heart, who know the summaries by heart, these do not dutifully hand on a text to another. Thus, when they pass away, the text is cut down at the root. It has nothing to stand on. This is the third thing. Yet again, the elder monks live in abundance. They are lax, taking the lead in backsliding, shirking the burden of the secluded life. They set going no effort to attain the unattained, to win the goal not won, to realize the unrealized. So the generation that follows comes to follow their view. That generation also lives in abundance, is lax, takes the lead in backsliding to the worldly life, shirking the burden of the secluded life. They set going no effort to attain the unattained, to win the goal not won, to realize the unrealized.
This mangs is the fourth thing which conduces to the confusion, to the vanishing away of Saddhamma, true Dhamma. Ah, that's the end of what I want to read in this sutta. So here this is one of the few suttas uh, where the Buddha gives the reasons uh, why the true Dhamma would vanish away in the future. The first one is uh, the words and sense of the Dhamma are wrongly arranged and the meaning, meaning also is misleading. Um, this one could refer to the uh, wrong teachings uh, that the Buddha predicted uh, would appear 500 years after the Buddha's Parinibbana and um, because of uh, uh, what the Buddha calls counterfeit teachings, uh, false teachings uh, that appear and multiply. Uh, um, so this is one reason uh, for the vanishing of the way of the true Dhamma. So we have to uh, study the Dhamma and know uh, which are the wrong teachings. It is not easy because we have to study quite a lot uh, to know which teachings are contradictory, which teachings are consistent. And uh, if we do that, uh, we'll find that the earliest four Nikayas, those are the books uh, which are very consistent, whereas later books, uh, there are contradictions in the later books. Uh. And the second reason is that the monks are not interested in the training. The Buddha always talked about the training for a monk, Sikapada, the practice of the holy life. Uh. And there are some monks who are stubborn and they refuse to change their ha bad habits. Uh. They won't take instructions. Uh. And so because of that, uh, they cause uh, people to have to lose faith uh, in the Sangha. And when people lose faith in the Sangha, they turn away from the uh, the religion. Uh, so that is why like uh, in the uh, forest tradition in Thailand, uh, they don't ordain somebody very easily. Somebody who wants to ordain as a monk, first they come in as a, what they call a pakao, one who wears the white cloth. And that is uh, eight precepts. They keep the eight precepts for a minimum of six months. And then after that only, uh, they are given the Samanera precepts. And then after after at least six months as a Samanera, then they ordain in the higher ordination. So this uh, gives time uh, to, uh, to, to examine the candidate uh, to see whether that person is really suitable for the higher ordination. Then the third reason is that uh, the senior monks uh, who are learned in the Dhamma Vinaya, they don't hand the text to another. In the earlier days, uh, the uh, Dhamma, the suttas, uh, was not put down in writing. So it was transmitted from verbally from one monk to another. So if the earlier monks, uh, they became, if they were lazy and they did not take the trouble to memorize the suttas uh, and hand down from one generation to another, the suttas would have disappeared. Uh, so now the suttas are in writings, uh, are in writing. But now we have to take, take the trouble to teach the Dhamma Vinaya, the suttas and the Vinaya so that they are well propagated, so that people know 
the true teachings of the Buddha. So people are not confused with wrong teachings. Eh? So it is our duty to teach and also to spread eh? by perhaps printing of books, by tapes, etc. Then the fourth reason for the disappearance of the true Dhamma is the senior monks, Teras, eh? they live in abundance, they are lax, they take the lead in backsliding. Eh? and they don't uh, make any effort uh, to attain the goal of the holy life, uh, which is to uh, end uh, our suffering, to end the round of rebirths. So because the senior monks set their example, the junior monks also follow them and become uh, lax, and live in luxury, etc. So this is another reason why the true Dhamma uh, would pass away. Uh, so we have to be careful of these reasons eh? and uh, try to uh, lead our life and uh, conduct ourselves so that we can preserve the true Dhamma. Now we come to Sutta number 4.17.162. The Buddha said, Monks, there are these four modes of progress. What for? The painful mode of progress with sluggish higher knowledge, Abhinya. The painful mode with swift higher knowledge. The pleasant mode of progress with sluggish higher knowledge. The pleasant mode of progress with swift higher knowledge. These are the four modes of progress. And of what sort, monks, is the mode of progress that is painful with sluggish higher knowledge? In this case, a certain one is by nature passionately lustful. He experiences the perpetual pain and dejection that are born of lust, raga. Likewise, he is by nature malicious. He experiences the perpetual pain and dejection that are born of ill will, dosa. Likewise, he is by nature deluded. He experiences the, the perpetual pain and dejection that are born of delusion, moha. In such a one, these five controlling faculties are dully manifested, namely the controlling faculty of faith, of energy, of mindfulness, concentration, and the controlling faculty of wisdom. Thus, owing to the dullness of these five faculties, sluggish is his is his attainment of the concentration that follows on for the destruction of the asavas. This monks is called the progress that is painful with sluggish higher knowledge. And of what sort monks is the mode of progress that is painful but with swift higher knowledge? In this case, a certain one is by nature passionately lustful, malicious and deluded. And he experiences the perpetual pain and dejection that are born of lust, ill will and delusion. In such a one, these five controlling faculties are manifested in abundance, namely the controlling faculty of faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration and wisdom. Thus, owing to the preponderance of these five faculties, swift is his attainment of the concentration that follows on for the destruction of the asavas. This monks is called the progress that is painful, but with swift higher knowledge. And of what sort monks is the mode of progress that is pleasant, but with sluggish higher knowledge? 
In this case, a certain one is not by nature passionately lustful. He does not experience the perpetual pain and dejection that are born of lust, nor is he by nature passionately malicious. He does not experience the perpetual pain and dejection that are born of ill will, nor is he by nature deluded. He does not experience the perpetual pain and dejection that are born of delusion. But in such a one, these five controlling faculties are dully manifested, namely the controlling faculty of faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration and wisdom. Thus, owing to the dullness of the five faculties, sluggish is, is his attainment of the concentration that follows on for the destruction of the asavas. This monks is called the mode of progress that is pleasant, but with sluggish higher knowledge. And of what sort, monks, is the mode of progress that is both pleasant and accompanied by swift higher knowledge? In this case, a certain one is not by nature passionately lustful, malicious or deluded. In such a one, these five controlling faculties are manifested in abundance, namely the controlling faculty of faith, energy, mindfulness, concentration and wisdom. Thus, owing to the preponderance of the five faculties, swift is his attainment of the concentration that follows on for the destruction of the asavas. This monks is called the mode of progress that is both pleasant and accompanied by swift higher knowledge. So these are the four modes of progress. That's the end of the sutta. This sutta, the Buddha is trying to say uh, that when we cultivate the holy path, uh, we practice to get out of samsara, there are four types of progress. Uh, you can either have a painful or a pleasant type uh, and also with either sluggish attainment of the higher knowledges or swift attainment of the higher knowledges. Uh. And what is the cause of painful progress? Painful progress uh, is to be found in a person uh, who has these three weaknesses, uh, lust, anger or ill will or hatred. Uh, and the third one is delusion. If these three qualities are very strong in a person, uh, he is continually, uh, how do you say, he's continually... Um, he experiences the pain and dejection uh, due to these three things. Uh. So because of this, uh, these three things are always bothering him. So his progress uh, is always painful. But then there are certain suttas where the Buddha said, uh, when a monk is cultivating the uh, holy path, uh, sometimes it can be very painful. There can be a lot of frustration. There can be a lot of... Uh, mental suffering uh, in addition to the physical suffering. And the Buddha said, in spite of all that, uh, the Buddha said, the monk should grit his teeth uh, and bear it, bear it and, and uh, continue to strive. And then he'll, one day he'll pass that stage. So this is a painful uh, progress in the holy life uh, due to these three factors, lust, hatred or ill will uh, and delusion. And if a person does not have these three things to bother him, uh, then he makes uh, uh, pleasant progress. Uh, if a person does not have strong lust or a lot of ill will or a lot of delusion, uh, then uh, the holy life is not so painful. It is, it is in fact can be quite pleasant if he knows how to practice and attain the bliss of meditation. Uh. 
and then uh, sluggish attainment of the higher knowledges uh, or swift attainment of the higher knowledges uh, depends on the five controlling faculties uh, how much how strong these five things are in that mang uh, faith energy mindfulness concentration and wisdom so if these are strong uh, there's a lot of stress there's a lot of effort uh, to cultivate these five things uh, then the the monk will attain the concentration very fast uh, if these five things uh, especially the energy the mindfulness uh, and the energy and the mindfulness if he puts a lot of energy and mindfulness in his practice uh, then concentration will come quite quickly uh, and uh, it is said here that uh, the concentration that follows on for the destruction of the asavas so here it is very clear that for the destruction of the asavas you need very good concentration very strong concentration a perfect concentration which is defined in the suttas as one pointedness of mind attainment of the jhanas or sometimes is stated as the four jhanas So it's very clear here that concentration is a very important quality for the destruction of the asavas. Uh, so that's the sutta. Now we come to another sutta to see how these uh, are applied. Four point seventeen point hundred and sixty-seven. The venerable Sariputta went to visit the venerable Moggallana. the great mahamogalana and on coming to him greeted him courteously and after the exchange of greetings and courtesy sat down at one side so seated the venerable sariputta said to the venerable mahamogalana mogalana your reverence there are these four modes of progress what for the mode of progress that is painful with sluggish higher intuition etc as before eh? now your reverence by way of which of these four modes of progress was your heart released from the asavas without grasping and the maha mogalana the arahant said sariputta your reverence there are as you say these four modes of progress now of these four the one i followed was the mode of progress that is painful but with swift higher intuition by way of this mode of progress was my mind released from the asavas without grasping That's the end of the sutta. So in this sutta, I I I purposely read this sutta to let you know uh, that Mahamogalana, one of the greatest disciples of the Buddha, in his cultivation of the uh, holy path, uh, the holy life, uh, he was having a lot of uh, 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 he had an abundance of greed, hatred, and delusion. Uh, Uh, last great hatred and delusion uh, and uh, these uh, hindered his progress uh, his, his his progress was painful he was continually bothered by these things but in spite of that uh, he he made a lot of effort and then he became an arahant so from this uh, we get we can get inspiration uh, we can get uh, consolation uh, to know that even somebody so great like mahamogalana his uh, progress in the holy life uh, was painful because of a strong lust hatred and delusion so if we uh, cultivate the holy life and we find uh, uh, sort of um, we are 
Uh, we feel uh, that uh, practice of the holy life is so difficult, uh, and we uh, we we are not getting inspired. Uh, then we should think of somebody like Mahamogalana. If we follow his example and strive, uh, one day we will also come to distinction. And then uh, Sutta 4.17.168 Now the Venerable Mahamogalana went to visit the Venerable Sariputta, etc., etc., and said this to him, Sariputta, your reverence, there are these four modes of progress as before. Now, your reverence, by way of which of these four was your heart released from the asavas without grasping? And Venerable Sariputta answered, Mogalana, your reverence, there are, as you say, these four modes of progress. Now of these four, the one I followed was the mode of progress that is pleasant with swift higher knowledge. By way of this mode of progress was my, was my heart released from the asavas without grasping. Uh, so in this sutta, you find that uh, the Venerable Sariputta, he had, uh, what we say, uh, stronger paramis, eh? stronger, uh, better, higher um perfections of character eh, so that uh, he was not very much disturbed by lust, hatred and delusion. Eh, so his progress was pleasant and because he made great effort, eh, it was also very swift. Eh. Now we come to Sutta number 4.17.169. Uh, this is quite an important Sutta. Monks, these four persons are found existing in the world. What for? Herein, monks, a certain person in this very life is set free, but with some effort. Again, another person is set free when body breaks up, with some effort. Herein again, monks, a certain person is set free in this very life, but without effort. Yet again, another person is set free when body breaks up, without effort. Now monks, how is a person one who in this very life is set free but with some effort? In this case, a monk lives contemplating the loathsomeness of body, aware of the repulsiveness of food, aware of his distaste for all the world, aware of impermanence in all the conditioners, sankharas. Thus awareness of death is well implanted in the very self. He lives dependent on these five powers of a pupil, the power of faith, that of conscience, that means the fear to do wrong, eh? remorse means a sense of shame eh, of having done wrong, and uh, energy and the power of wisdom. In him, these five controlling faculties are also manifested in abundance, namely the controlling faculty of faith, energy, recollection or, or mindfulness, concentration, and wisdom. Thus, by the preponderance of these five controlling faculties in this very life, he is set free, but with some effort. And how, monks, is a person again set free when body breaks up with some effort? In this case, a monk lives contemplating the loathsomeness of body, Aware of the repulsiveness of food, aware of his distaste for all the world, aware of impermanence in all the conditioners. Thus, awareness of death is well planted in the very self. He lives dependent on these five powers of a pupil, namely the power of faith, conscience, remorse, energy, wisdom. 
but in him these five controlling faculties are dully manifested, namely the controlling faculty of faith, energy, recollection or mindfulness, concentration and wisdom. Thus, by the dullness of these faculties, he is set free, but with some effort when body breaks up. And how, monks, is a person set free in this very life, but without effort? In this case, a monk, aloof from sense desires, etc., etc., enters and abides in the first jhana, the second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana. He lives dependent on these five powers of a pupil, that is, faith, conscience, remorse, energy, and wisdom. In him, the five controlling faculties are manifested in abundance, that is, faith, energy, recollection, uh, concentration, wisdom. Thus, by the preponderance of these five controlling faculties, he is set free in this very life without effort. And how, monks, is a person again one who is set free without effort when body breaks up? In this case, a monk, aloof from sense desires, etc., enters on the four jhanas and abides therein. He lives dependent on the five powers of a pupil. But in him, the five controlling faculties are dully manifested. Owing to the dullness of these five faculties, it is not till body breaks up that he is set free without effort. So these are the four persons found existing in the world. Uh, here, this sutta is about the arahans, how they attain arahanhood. So here we find uh, there are different conditions. Uh, uh, there is one who is uh, set free uh, before he is dying. Uh, he attains arahanhood uh, before he, he dies. Uh, and uh, it can be with effort or it can be without effort. And then there's another type uh, who only attains arahanhood uh, on his deathbed uh, when he is dying. And that also with effort or without effort. And then we find uh, uh, the first one, the one who is set free uh, before death uh, with some effort, uh, he ha does not have the four jhanas, but the five faculties are strong. Because the five faculties, uh, five controlling faculties are strong, then he is set free before death. The second one is set free at death, but with some effort, uh, with effort, uh. Uh, also, he does not have the four jhanas, but uh, he has the five faculties in a uh, quite weak. Uh, his five faculties are weak, and then he's set free only when at the dying, at the time of dying. And the third one, he's set free before death, but without effort. And this one possesses the four jhanas, and the faculties are also very strong. And the last one is set free. Only at the death and without effort, he possesses the four jhanas, but the faculties are weak. So, when a person possesses the four jhanas, you can see from here that he attains arahanhood without effort. So, with the four jhanas, he attains arahanhood without effort. Whereas without the four jhanas, he needs effort. But this does not mean uh, that he does not have any jhana. Because in all these cases, uh, he has the five faculties. And in the five faculties, uh, you'll notice, uh, the five faculties are faith, energy, 
recollection or mindfulness, concentration and wisdom. So one of the faculties is concentration. And concentration, uh, perfect concentration, uh, even for the faculties, uh, are the four jhanas. So when you say that the faculties are weak, uh, it means probably that he has only one jhana. Uh, one jhana or two jhanas, probably one. And then when the faculties are strong, uh, probably he has two or three jhanas. Two or three jhanas. Whereas when the when the faculties are perfect, uh, then he has all the four jhanas. Uh, because in the uh, earlier suttas we read uh, that an arahan and an anagami must possess the jhanas uh, to attain anagami and arahanhood. Uh. So... That's about the the jhanas, and then you notice that all of them, uh, they they are, they contemplate the loathsomeness of the body, aware of the repulsiveness of food, aware of the distaste for the world, aware of impermanence in all the conditioners. Thus, awareness of death is well planted in the very self. Uh, so this awareness of death uh, is one thing uh, that is very important if we practice the holy life uh, we should always contemplate death uh, always remember that death is very near any time we can pass away firstly it gives us a sense of urgency uh, and uh, secondly uh, because of that uh, as a result of that uh, we are more mindful we, we our sati uh, uh, is, is stronger. Uh, Srati is very important uh, for concentration and concentration is very important for the destruction of the asavas. Uh, uh. So uh, that's the one thing you have to remember. Uh, these few things. Uh, loathsomeness of the body, repulsiveness of food, distaste for the world, impermanence in all the conditioners, all the conditioners and the conditioned things. Uh, uh, then awareness of death. Uh. Then the second thing we want to note is the five powers of a pupil. Uh, a pupil is one uh, who is uh, uh, cultivating the holy life. Uh, and these five uh, powers of a pupil are faith. Faith is quite important. That means having trust or confidence in the Buddha's teachings especially. Uh, normally we say uh, in the triple gem. Uh, Basically, it is the Dhamma. And then uh, conscience. Conscience is the fear to do wrong. That means uh, before you you do any wrong, uh, you have that fear of doing wrong. And then uh, that is Hiri. Then the third one is remorse. Remorse is a sense of shame. Uh, a sense of shame if we have done anything wrong. Uh, we regret it. That is Ot- Otapa. Uh, these two things, conscience and remorse, uh, hiri otapa, they're quite important uh, qualities uh, for a person uh, on the spiritual path. And then uh, energy and wisdom, uh, these are the five powers of a pupil. And then the five controlling faculties uh, are faith, energy, recollection or mindfulness, uh, concentration and wisdom. These five things are also very important. Uh, uh, these are uh, part of the 37 Bodhi Pakya Dhammas uh, and the Buddha said uh, that uh, when the Noble Eightfold Path is perfected uh, all the 37 Bodhi Pakya Dhammas are perfected uh, the faculties the powers the Bojanga uh, the Aryan Eightfold Path etc. Uh, so you can um, see uh, that uh, for liberation in this life uh, 
these few things are important. The constant contemplation of death, then the five powers of a pupil, the five controlling faculties, and the jhanas. Uh, if you have the jhanas, then uh, we don't need so much effort. But then uh, we have uh, seen in some earlier sutta that the jhanas are important if we want to attain anagami or arahanthood. And some people, because they find uh, attaining the jhanas are so difficult, uh, then we can concentrate on listening to the suttas because uh, uh, the sotapanna and the sakadagami, we don't need the jhanas. Uh, and uh, in the suttas, we find that a lot of people enter the stream from listening to the suttas. So it is uh, good now uh, we put a, a more effort now uh, on learning the suttas. Once we have this foundation later, uh, we can concentrate on attaining uh, uh, concentration. Mm-hmm.